right. Good morning, everybody. What a smoky Sunday we have. Smoky and windy, and we're praying for rain. Oof. Um, I already said good morning, so I don't have to say it again. <clears throat> good morning. We could just say this all day. Good morning! And you just say, good morning, which is call and response. Um, let, let, why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, we just, we do want to lift up our campers this week. Um, I know my kids had special times at the church camps as they were growing up, and I know that you're there in power. Your Holy Spirit's there, God. I pray that the many people, many young people would give their lives to you at this camp, and that those who um, already know you would, would be given a, a vision of their life in you, that they would give, be given purpose and direction. You would bless and protect each one of them, Lord, um, keep them from being hurt and keep them healthy and bless the, the leaders and all the people in, in authority over there. God, just work in that place. And this morning, Lord, I pray that you would use me to speak your word to, to your people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Um, thanks, Blake, for inviting me. <laughs> That was weird. I've never been remotely uh, introduced before. Um, <clears throat> when I was asked if I could preach this, this Sunday, I began to ask God what he wanted me to say to the church in Ephrata. And he said, tell them that I love them and that I'm coming back soon. And uh, when, <laughs> it was weird because this was kind of the last thing I did about this sermon. Is I said, well, God, what should I tell them? And then, you know, after I'd already written the whole sermon, <laughs> and he said, uh, tell them I love them. And I said, oh, that's sweet. And, and I'm coming back soon. And I went, like, should I really say that? And it's, it's okay to say that because Jesus is coming soon. It's sooner now than it's ever been. It's, we're, we're closer to, the, to Jesus' return than we've ever been before in the history of the church. So I can say that, and, and I, I know it's true. So Jesus, so church, Jesus loves us and he's coming soon. Um, so I asked, I kind of prayed, God, what, what scripture should I preach on? And the verse that came to my mind first was one of two scriptures that I memorized back in the day when I was working with Verna's husband, Floyd. <sighs> Love that guy. <clears throat> He had me memorize two different verses. One of them was 2 Peter 3.18. Sorry. It's really not that, you know, the verse isn't that emotional, but just the connection with Floyd. Grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. I got to admit that I have a kinship with men named Peter because my name's Peter. And it's kind of an unusual name. My name is Peter. I, I was named after my mother's father, Peter Peterson, who immigrated here from Norway around the turn of the last century. His name was given, the name he was given at birth because he was born in Norway was Petter Peterson, and it was kind of uh, Americanized to Peter Peterson, and that's on his death certificate. He was known as Peter Peterson. I look a lot like him. I have brown hair, brown eyes. My build is a lot like his, although I'm taller. He was about five foot zero. And um, 
When I had my DNA tested recently, I found out that I'm, more, I'm mostly Norwegian, 41% Norwegian. My grandpa Peter died in 1959 at age 70. I was born in 1960, so I never got to meet him. <clears throat> I was born and given my grandfather's name. He died at age 70. I'm 60 now. I will be 61 soon. If I follow my Grandpa Pete's pattern, I have less than a decade left to live. Thinking about dying doesn't depress me. It adds urgency and gives me energy and focus to use myself in things and for things that are going to expand the kingdom of God's kingdom. If I'm approaching the end and I want to stay strong and not, well, you know what they say about Peter's, petering out. I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase. Um, Webster's Dictionary says about petering out to gradually become smaller, weaker, or less before stopping or ending. The, the origin of the phrase is uncertain, but some link it to the Apostle Peter. Peter has many meanings, both as noun and verb, so the speculations are wide-ranging. They include a suggestion of a link to St. Peter and to the story that his faith in Jesus faded when he denied him before his crucifixion. Well, that would be, you know, that phrase would work if, if that's where Peter's story ends. But it doesn't end that way. The relationship between he and Jesus was restored on the shore of the Tiberias, and, you, and we can all read about it in John 21. You can turn there if you want, but I'll just read it to you. We'll start in verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, You will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter would go on to feed the sheep. He spent his life preaching and evangelizing, serving God and spreading the good news until his death. And when he was crucified, he requested that he he be hung upside down on the cross. There was one historical reference that said Peter was crucified at Rome with his head downwards as he himself had desired to suffer. And the cross of St. Peter inverts the Latin cross based on his refusal and on his claim of being unworthy to die the same way as his Savior. Peter ended his life in humility, clinging to his faith in Jesus. If that's the case, then may we all Peter out. Because my name is Peter, I guess no matter how I live or die, I'm going to Peter out but I hope to leave a legacy of living strong to the end. Pastor Blake has been doing a, doing a walk through the Psalms. I know most of us have been, been participating in that. We've been here this, but if you haven't been here before and this is your first Sunday, that we've been going through the Psalms. <clears throat> and the Psalm for today is Psalm 103. So as I was preparing the message, um, I thought I should probably try and work that in to the message so that so that it makes sense to the pastor's project that he's doing. I didn't say that very well, <laughs> but you get the, get the idea. Um, 
How many got up this morning early and read the, the verse for today, 103? It's an, it's an amazing psalm. Halley said, the, the guy who wrote Halley's Bible commentary says that it was most likely written in the latter part of David's life. As he looked back, he reflected on and praised God for his goodness to him. And because I was trying to meld the two together, I looked at Peter's second epistle was written near the end of his life. The third chapter warns his audience about the coming days of suffering and encourages them to keep on in their faith. And so the combination of the two, reflecting back, looking backwards at God's goodness and looking forward, kind of meld together. So let's turn to Psalm 103. And I've, I've broken it up into uh, little pieces and we're going to walk through it. Psalm 103 of David. If you want to turn there. I don't have it up here, I'm sorry. And you may be freaked out that I don't have a Bible in my hands, but I've got it all on my paper, so <laughs> I am actually reading from the Bible. <laughs> Psalm 103 of David. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Matthew Henry said about these verses, we make nothing of our religious performances if we do not make heart work of them, if that which is within us, nay, if all that is with us not be engaged in them. I'm not an effusive person normally. I'm not demonstrative, but David encourages us to, be, to a higher level involvement in our worship of God. To be honest, these first few words are enough to convict me and, and I could be done right here. I could just say, okay, I, I know what I need to do. I need to praise God better. <clears throat> Especially because of what we read in Matthew 22. Um, you can turn there if you would like. Matthew 22, verses 30, verse 34. I think the last time I preached, I also had had this in my sermon, so it might be a theme. (laughs) Matthew 22, a lawyer asked Jesus which commandment was the most important, and this is how Jesus answered. Hearing, in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I think the smoke is getting to me. Sorry, excuse me. Our love and our worship of, our love of God and our worship of him needs to become preeminent. Loving man is the outworking of loving God. In his epistle, the the Apostle John asked, how can we love God whom we have not seen if we don't love our brothers whom we have seen? Loving God, then, in the simplest ways is to act in love towards those I'm sharing the planet with. Love God, love man. And then we get to praising God. Sometimes the weight of the world makes praising God seem like, like a difficult thing. You know, sometimes the weight of, of everything that's going on in our lives can feel like um, a box full of rocks and every, everything that happens to us is just another box. I mean, excuse me, another rock in the, in the box and it just gets heavier and heavier. So the weight of the world makes praising God 
seem like a difficult thing. In those instances, I just start telling God who he is and what he's done. I almost always start with being creator. Everything that exists in our physical world is part of his creative work. I cannot go anywhere in this universe without seeing his handiwork. I see a tree, I say, nice tree, and God says, thank you, I made that. I say, ooh, pretty butterfly, thank you, I made that. Those stars, those planets, the moon, so amazing and so orderly. God says, thank you, I made them for you to mark out the seasons. And then I look out from my back window up the coulee, and I say, what a beautiful view. And God says, thank you, again, that's mine. It just goes on like that. As we travel through this psalm, verse after verse will give us even more to praise him for. If we continue on with verse 2 of of Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And as I read that, I was wondering, why did David say forget not his benefits instead of remember his benefits? I think it may be that to forget not his benefits is like being proactive in keeping something safe and alive the benefit is there the time God helped me saved me encouraged me provided for me every time that benefit comes up I need to rehearse and relive how God did that amazing thing in my life I think remembering something is to hang on to something that you've learned or been told about like the stories in the Bible forget not means you don't forget the times that God stepped in and miraculously miraculously saved you from harm or blessed you or protected you or guided you or spoke to you. Forget not what you have experienced and remember what you've been told. Mary and I have family stories of God stepping in to bless, protect, and provide for us. One story happened when I just started working for McDonald's back in the early 90s. The store hadn't, Efreda hadn't been built yet. Can you imagine an Efreda without a McDonald's? It's true. <laughs> McDonald's did not exist at one point. <clears throat> I was training at an Ellensburg McDonald's because the store here in Ephrata hadn't been built yet. And we had planned on going, <clears throat> going on a trip. So Mary was going to take our, our kids, pack them up in the car, and meet me in Ellensburg. And at the time, we had a 77 Dodge Aspen station wagon. And it was an okay car, um, but it had a leaky head gasket. And around town it was fine, but if we went on any long trips, the exhaust gases would make the car overheat because it was leaking from, from the exhaust into the cooling jacket, the cooling water jacket. It's probably more information than you need. <clears throat> and for those mechanics in the room, they're going, well, that would have been a simple fix. <laughs> you are absolutely right. But I never did fix it, and still God provided for us. Mary was headed up the Vantage Hill to pick me up, and she was watching the temperature gauge rise and was praying for a miracle so that she wouldn't have to pull over on a hot day with a car full of kids and wait for the car to cool down. As they continued to drive up the hill, they saw a cloud forming over the freeway. And it was, got, it was a very dark cloud. And, and all the kids and Mary all, they all looked at the cloud and said, ooh, that looks just like a lamb. And all of a sudden that cloud just burst forth with rain and wet the road in front of her. And as she drove through that cloud of rain, the car cooled down and she didn't have to pull over. I mean, that's just a simple thing. 
but God did it. And it sounds like a fairy tale. It sounds, sounds like a, a, uh, some kind of thing that I made up, but it, it really happened to us. God really cared about Mary and the kids in that car on that hot day, and he took care of us. It was one seemingly insignificant act, but God did it. An even bigger benefit, eternally significant, is next in the psalm. Psalm verse 103, verse 3, who forgives all your sins. When Jesus was on earth living out his ministry, one thing that drove the religious leaders nuts was when Jesus, who was a man, forgave people their sins. The leaders often asked, who is this that even forgives sins? We remember the, the man let down through the roof where they took the tiles off the roof and they let this man down in front of Jesus and he said, your sins are forgiven. And they, the leaders of the day said, who is this? They were, they were just thinking it. Who is this that forgives sins? And Jesus said to them, just, just to show you that I, I have the power and authority to do this, get up and walk. And he walked away. A man who had been paralyzed. There's also the story of uh, when Jesus forgave the prostitute. We can, we can look at that in Luke 7, verses 36 through 49. I'm going to read the story. You turn there if you want. <clears throat> Verse 36, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his tears, wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and per- poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Do, we, do you guys remember that, that um, thing that went through the, the church? There's a movement called What Would Jesus Do? WWJD? Yeah. Um. What would Jesus do? I'm saying, what would Jesus do? First, we have to find out what did Jesus do. And the thing that he did was he forgave sin. He forgives sin. Jesus forgives sin. He forgave sinners. He forgave the, two, the woman and the man in our stories in the Bible here. He also forgave me. He also forgave that person that I've been holding a grudge against. He forgave my enemy, he forgave me, he forgave you. What will we do about that today? 
we want his forgiveness, we will, also, will we also in turn give his forgiveness? So let's think about that and also continue on in the psalm. Um, he heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. How many here have seen the Princess Bride? Do you remember the pit of despair? The pit of despair. (laughs) And he clears his throat. That place of torture in the Princess Bride. Held captive, they nursed Wesley back to health just so they could torture him. In Genesis, we read about Joseph being tossed into a well. It also happened to Jeremiah. The wells back then were not wells like we have where they're digging down to the water source. They were actually a a pit that they dug in the ground and then they lined it with plaster so that when the water did come and the water would go into the well and stay there and then any dirt that was in the water would settle down to the bottom and so the bottom of the well became like a pit of uh, quicksand. And... And because the sun never reached it, it would never dry out. And so if you were tossed into a well, there was a danger of getting stuck in the, in the, in the quicksand. There wasn't a way out without help. Just thinking about that, being down inside of a pit and being in quicksand, makes me breathe a little weird. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I get anxious. Um, being in a pit is hopeless. Hopelessness is an emotional pit. With God, it is okay. God is our hope. God redeems us from the pit. Joseph was pulled out. Jeremiah was pulled out. I was pulled out. Not of, out of a literal pit, but an emotional one. God wants, us to pull up. God wants to pull us all out of a pit. And we continue with the psalm. Second half of four and then verse five. And crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things. Another movie, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. Anybody see that? Or read the books? Remember in the light, remember in the Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe, Narnia was a place where it was always winter but never Christmas. As a child, I shuddered to think of that. In that story, as the daughters of Adam and the sons of Eve... Peter, Susan, and Lucy were fleeing the witch and racing towards Aslan. Aslan's presence in Narnia had begun to weaken the hold of the white witch, and the children were greeted by Father Christmas. And I remember, as uh, I think I was in third grade when I first heard that, I thought, oh, they get to have Christmas. I was so excited that Christmas finally got to happen, but I was disappointed when they received their gifts because their gifts weren't toys or candy. They were tools and weapons to help them on their journey and help them win the inevitable war with the white witch. They were, in fact, good gifts. Peter received a sword and a shield. Susan received a bow and arrows. Lucy received the magical healing cordial and a small dagger. God, our Father, gives us good gifts. And he also allows Christmas to come. Not the Christmas like on a Hallmark movie, to Pinewood or Hollywood or wherever. <laughs> They're always, they usually have some kind of tree name in the town. <clears throat> anyway. But, but Christmas, like in Bethlehem, where God came down to us, God gave us himself in the, sor- in the form of Messiah, Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us. 
God also gives us gifts to fight with, to wage war with. In, in Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are in a battle. We have received our battle gear, our weapons of the word of God and prayer. Now we continue with the, the psalm. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. One of my all-time favorite Bible persons is the, the, is the person Caleb. You remember Caleb, the guy in the Bible? He was one of the two spies. There was 12 spies. He was one of two that came back with a good report. He said, yes, there are giants in the land, but it's nothing that God can't handle. The other 10 disagreed, and so God kept that entire generation in the wilderness for 40 years. So they, so they would all die off. Joshua and Caleb, the believing spies, got to live on and enter the promised land and fight for their God and for their people. At age 85, Caleb finally received his inheritance. We read about it in Joshua 14. Now then, just as the Lord promised, this is Caleb speaking, now, just, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since that time, he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So with God, there's renewed strength and vigor. We're going to keep going with the, with the Psalm 103. We'll read 6 through 12 now. <clears throat> the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If we look at verses 9 through 12 there, I believe they're all referring to one thing. I believe they refer to David's relationship with Bathsheba and the resulting pregnancy and then murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. But they don't refer to his acts of sin. Instead, they refer to God's grace and mercy and forgiveness of them. Once God dealt with David's sin, after his confession and repentance, it was never brought up again. Once God dealt with David's sin, I just said that. (laughs) 
We don't hear God say, yeah, but remember that time? Remember that time, David, when you slept with a married woman, got her pregnant, tried to cover it up, and then when that failed, you had her husband killed and took his wife as your own? Remember that? God doesn't do that. Doesn't do that to, didn't do it to David and doesn't do it to us. Our enemy will. My old sins from my old life come back in high definition and in living color. When that happens, I turn toward Jesus and he says, Peter, you are forgiven. For me, I feel like my sins are connected to me like my shadow. Always around and brighter, and the brighter the light around me, the more pronounced and prominent they are. But that's my view of them. God's view is once they're confessed and forgiven, they are gone, removed as far as the east is from the west. And if you think about the globe being or east and west and, and the, the ball of the globe, and we think east going one direction and west going the other direction, they meet, sometimes in a martial arts film. But if we use a geometric symbol of a line and our sins are the east and God's mercy and forgiveness are the west, a line, the two ends never meet. They go on into infinity and possibly beyond. My sins are forgiven and they're no longer in God's presence. We want to talk next about God who is my father. So we're going to go down to Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. Before we're saved, God is our creator. But after we are saved, when we are born again into a new family, the creator who loves us becomes our father. The summer between my junior and senior year in high school, I worked all my spare time on preparing my 57 Chevy pickup for paint. I had chosen a root beer color. Mary said it's more like a penny, but I, th- I think root beer. I don't know. Anyway, you can, you can envision uh, uh, any picture of a 57 Chevy that you've ever seen, and they're usually that root beer color with white. And that's what I was going to paint my truck. Completely irrelevant. <laughs> but I want you to have a picture in your mind. of what, It was so pretty. My friends and family all helped me, and sometime in September, my truck was finished. Then about two weeks later, I loaned it to a friend, and he totaled it. I was devastated. At that time, I didn't get along with my father very well. I was distant and surly and basically a jerk to him. But as we drove out to see the truck that night, which was still at the accident scene, my dad, very calmly and confidently, grabbed my hand, looked me in the eyes and said, I promise you, we will rebuild it. No matter how bad it is, we will rebuild it. And we did. It was destroyed, but we rebuilt it. My dad was a good father in many respects, but God is a better father than my dad. He looks at the accident scenes of my life, of our lives, and says confidently, it's okay. 
We will rebuild this. We'll make it new and better. God is our father remembers. He remembers how he formed Adam from the dust of the earth and he took his rib and made his helpmate Eve. So both were formed from dust and now God himself, God has taken the form of man. God himself was subjected to everything we are in Jesus, every temptation in Jesus and yet he didn't sin. So now he can sympathize with us, can understand our weaknesses and ready to help us. So we'll continue with the psalm. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. Our life is so brief, it's so unpredictable. We have lost many friends in the last couple years, friends and family. We, we recently had to put our, my favorite dog down. He was sick and we had to put him down. I took him into the vet. He was there on the table. He was my happy little dog that we, we loved each other. The vet gave him the shot and he was gone. Just like that. Just gone. That's the way life is. We're here and then we're gone. And, and it's just life is brief and unpredictable. We need to be ready. The earth and all those in it will suffer the same fate. We will exhale one last time and then we are forgotten, or are we? If we continue in the psalm, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Those who keep his covenant remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. We are God's kids. We are kids of the capital K king. What does that mean for us? means we have access to the king of kings. We have the ear of the king of kings. The king of kings is watching over us, watching out for us, and providing for us. And yes, the king of kings is also disciplining us. But let's go on. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, all his servants who do his will. We get a glimpse of this praise session with the angels in Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read it because it's just so incredible. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands. And they encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. This is our example and our future. The last two verses, or I guess it's just one verse, of Psalm 103, praise the Lord all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. The Lord, our God, is always worthy of praise. As I said earlier, Halley's Bible commentary said this psalm was probably written later in David's life as he reflected back over God's amazing love and mercy and forgiveness and his blessings to David 
was a simple shepherd when he was anointed king. I'm not sure where I am in my life. I'm a grandpa, and I look forward to look forward trying to navigate the best possible way to retire. Can you imagine that? I'm just a kid, and I'm going to retire probably in the next decade. Some of you are already there. Luckies. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I lost my place. Um, I'm, my life is changing. I'm done with raising kids now. Now my kids have kids. I'm a grandpa. So I look out into the midst of the future and I wonder what is it that I'm going to do to expand God's kingdom? How will I peter out? And we look back at First Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I need to grow. My first time visiting Disneyland, we drove, we flew, we taxied, we walked, and we walked, and finally I was showing my ticket to the ticket person. And, as, and I walked through the turnstile, and I found a bench, and I sat down and stayed there the rest of the day. No, that's not what I did. No. I was in the happiest place on earth. The very first thing we did was we ran to get in line for Peter Pan, because that is the first ride you go on when you're in Disneyland, Peter Pan. I don't know why that is. It's established by family that has gone there more than we have. <clears throat> anyway, my point of the story is we didn't stop at the gate. We didn't sit on the bench. We got involved. We experienced Disneyland. How many of us got saved and we showed God our Jesus ticket and then we sat down on the bench and waited for the bus home? Is that where we are? No. Well, I'm, I'm saying to you there's more. There's more in the kingdom. Growing grace. The way to move forward is to look back. Remember what God has done. Wait, no wait. Not remembering. We're forgetting not. Do not forget what God has done. Have an attitude of praise and never stop growing in grace. Um, I will peter out someday. If I follow the pattern of my maternal grandfather, I have about nine years left. But my hope and ambition is that my life will be lived in a way that my departure leaves a legacy of hope and love and grace. I hope there are new lives in Jesus. I hope those who already know him, who I've hung around with, are encouraged and beyond that emboldened to reach out to our sick and dying world and share the good news of God's grace, of his love and his mercy. This last year, I planted some pots on our patio <clears throat> and they are the most magnificent pots I've ever grown. Mary, do you agree? So, I'm not just bragging, I'm just saying. They are the most magnificent pots I've ever planted. There's beautiful growth, there's blossoms. We have hummingbirds come and fly around the, the I don't know what they are, they're big tall red ones. With Anyway, that doesn't matter. It's not, it's not even written down here. I don't even know why I'm saying it. Uh, the, the, the difference that, I, that was made in the flower pots is that this year, I fed them. Imagine that. I fed them, and they exploded in growth. So what I'm going to suggest to all of us here is that we start feeding ourselves. 
Every Sunday, Pastor Blake feeds us a message, feeds us the word of God, and it's rich, and it's wonderful. But then we have six days where we don't have that message. We don't have Pastor Blake hand-feeding us. So what do we do? We need to go home and get into our Bibles, and we need to study and grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? I leave you with this last question. Why is lettuce the most spiritual vegetable? Because let us pray. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you for this, for this opportunity, Lord, um, for me to come and speak. I pray that, that your word went out and that I, I handled it correctly, Lord. And I just pray that you would bless everyone here, bless those who are watching. Um, God, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would use this word and help us grow and help us to reach this community we live in, this area that we live in, this beautiful Grant County. And uh, with, your, with your love, with, your, with the good news that Jesus died to save us from our sins and gives us eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for each one here and for each of those who are watching at home. Thank you for Pastor Blake and his family. We pray for, for him and, th- and their trip and bless them. And we also pray for the campers. And um, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for being here this morning. Just pray be blessed.